Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Let me go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned into episode 161 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, sorry about the wait. I was supposed to drop this episode last week, but in the process of recording um, this, I had to go back and edit some more stuff because uh, HC5 came out. So I really wanted to talk about that in a little bit later, and not all heroes wear capes. So I am re recording. Because I had to find time to watch it because it's a little bit over two hours. And when I was recording it after my shift at the plantation um, that next morning, um, I was getting ready to post it. Actually, in the top of the morning, um, the sister at the Afro-American bookstore off of there off of Lake. Um, what is that? About 33rd and Lake uh, right across the street from um uh, the Salem Baptist Church over there by the Walgreens, they called me. Um, they always call me when them hidden colors come out. Um, so they called me and let me know that they came in. So I actually went on my route that same day to pick it up. And then I didn't watch it until just this past weekend um, because I really wanted to talk about it, um, see what the hype was. Because I know that brother uh, Tariq Nasheed was banned from the UK because the UK parliament or the government said that he was not conducive uh, to the uh, the people of the UK. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So that's why the episode is so late because I really wanted to watch it and talk about it and um, just kind of break some things down uh, that's in the film. So that'll be a little bit later. So let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen. Did you? Well, I just uh, last couple weeks ago, I just got back from a second vacation. Uh, I was on vacation with my wife's people up in the uh, up at the lake, up at Lewis and Clark Lake, up in uh, South Dakota, um, real laid back. Um, it's pretty much like glamping. Um, I think I said this before in years past. Uh, they do a yearly family vacation, and I've been going with them for the past, what, five years or something like that? Five, six years, something like that? Um, and I think about the past five years, since about 2014. Yeah. Um, so, same thing, just glamping just kind of hanging out but what was weird is we were like a week removed from you know our vacation up in uh uh i should i should say up in but out in uh california out in napa valley so it just i don't know it just felt like i didn't need the vacation you know because um we always look forward to this vacation because it's just real chill and laid back you know just you know swimming in the lake um jet skis boating bike rides you know i'd be out there hooping with folks if there are some hoopers out there and um you know uh my uh, father-in-law has an atv and it's legal 
uh, to ride an ATV out on the highway and things. So, you know, I'm going like 70, 80, you know, up on the highway that's outside of the of the, uh, the campsite and shit like that. But it's just pretty much just glamping. It's just, uh, you know, a, a cabin. Um, it's like a, a whole bunch of cabins that look like little houses. You know what I'm saying? That's all they are. You know, they got a, you know, a kitchen, you know, bedrooms, living room, uh, bathroom, you know, shit like that. So it's just pretty much glamping and you just walk out and there's this big, beautiful lake out there and everybody's real chill i haven't had any incidents with anybody out there everybody's always in a good mood and uh having a good ass time so it's always good to you know kick it with my wife's people and uh definitely you know seeing my nephews on uh my wife's side because i am their only uncle so you know they just gravitate towards me and we just you know i get to act like a big ass kid with them and you know we just run around act a fool and you know stuff like that and then they have a a pretty dope um, go-kart uh, track out there that's pretty legit and uh my oldest nephew he's big enough to uh drive one now by himself so that was that was fun that was fun that was a good uh, milestone for him and my youngest nephew on my wife's side he was big enough to uh drive the go-karts on uh the kitty track and he's only three and uh that, that was that was something to see but he was whipping that thing too looking like a professional out there looking like mario andretti so i had a great time it's always dope kicking it with my nephews that's the part that i enjoy the most and um yeah i just love my niece and nephews you know on both sides i just love kicking it with them because i can just be a big kid you know with them and just have a blast but um but like i was saying i was just a week removed from the napa vacation and then doing this va then i went to work for a week then i was back on vacation um, but we was only up there for like five days. So I still had, you know, I think we came back because it went from like Friday to Wednesday. I still had like Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. So I just did a lot of stuff around the house and got caught up, you know, with like yard maintenance and shit like that. And, you know, just little tasks around the house and then just kicking it with the wife. So we had, you know, it was, it was real chill, but you know, my spirit is rested, you know, and I just feel like it's time to just put that work in. So here we are. So, um, first things first on this good old summer damn jam screen. Did y'all see just last week um, the story about this man up in Montana who uh, pretty much beat the shit out of a kid because he had his hat on uh, at the county fair when the national anthem was playing? So, uh, 39-year-old Kirk James Brockway, he was arrested at the fairgrounds up there in Montana and he is charged with assault on a minor, which is a felony. He was already on probation, 10-year probation. So um, the guy, he went and attacked a 13-year-old kid who had his hat on during the national anthem. And one woman said she heard a pop and she turned to seeing the boy like writhing on the ground. He was bleeding out of his ears. He was he wasn't coherent and he was seizing on the ground and he had to be airlifted to the hospital, you know, and the, the guy is actually saying he, he, he admitted to doing it. He said the boy was disrespecting the national anthem. So he had every right to do that. So I so more and more 
we're seeing cases of jingoism and jingoism is nothing more than extreme patriotism now jingoism is often used in terms when it comes to like foreign policy if there's another country trying to enforce their way of life on another country but we're seeing it here in the states just because of who we have in office the cheat on chief and so many white men felt like they've been cuckolded for the past those eight years that obama was in office you have a black man leading the country and shit wasn't you know shit didn't go down in flames he didn't do a terrible job being the president of the united states and that fucked with a lot of white men's confidence so that's how you end up getting a fucking donald trump uh, the cheeto in chief that's how you get that in office and him you know always shitting on uh um uh, immigrants mainly brown hispanic uh immigrants you know uh migrants coming up from the south you know from mexico and south america mainly shitting on them and uh just him using not even a dog whistle but using a megaphone so you're just seeing more and more instances and then you know black folks are kind of getting on that same page we always kind of get on the same page if we have like a republican uh president in the house you know we always kind of get on not on code all the way but we know exactly what type of racism what type of issues we're facing head on when we have a republican um president but a lot of times we just fail to see the bigotry in the democratic party which is a huge problem because we get so goddamn docile when we have somebody in office like a bill clinton or a president uh former president barack obama a lot of times we just get real docile and we just kind of you know we don't um go up in arms and implement action steps when you know the racism is uh you know kind of wayside and it's uh, uh more impactful on poor black people if that makes sense you know if it's poor black folks are suffering you know black folks as a collective are just like mm, them niggas better pull themselves up by their bootstraps it's kind of it's kind of like that thinking you know what i'm saying the black middle class and upper class and the working class that can kind of survive you know just kind of you know have their nose down at you know poor black folks those who are struggling to get by and who's on public assistance and things like that and you know when you see black men being harassed by the cops and it's a younger uh brother you know you know 35 and younger they looking at them like oh they shouldn't be out this late you know they gang members and yada 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 a lot of times we you know kind of you know if there's a democratic you know president we just kind of you know oh them niggas on their own you know what i'm saying it's kind of uh fin for self type things but when we have somebody like a reagan um either one of the bushes and right now donald trump you know as a collective you know black folks are just like oh this is some bullshit you know what i'm saying so that's that's what we kind of looking at right now but we're just seeing these cases of extreme extreme patriotism aka jingoism just going on right now and i and i told y'all leading up to all of these shootings and these killings i gave y'all instances of uh uh racism disguised as patriotism that's that's what we seeing but now it's just like the lid and just came off you know the lid is off and it's just out there you see what i'm saying and 
you know, with every type of uh, incident like this, it's always mental illness or if it goes to the extreme with the, uh, the, the, the mass murder of a, a certain group of non-white people, um, it turns into, you know, oh, it's just a mental illness and things like that. Um, so it's just very dangerous and just be on your P's and Q's. And to speak about this situation, I remember years ago, you almost shot the fair one with some old white dude. Um, me and my boy Bogard, a.k.a. Ike, he's been on the show a couple times before. We were at a Creighton game, or it might not have been him. It might have been I was with somebody else, uh, with one of the homies or a couple of homies. And I was at a Creighton game, and National Anthem was playing, and I had on my Creighton hat. And a guy leans over, is like, hey, you need to take your hat off, an old white man. I was like, man, shut the fuck up. Like, that's exactly what I said. And then he said to his wife, the guy's just angry. It's like, you don't have the, like, how do you have the audacity to lean over? Like, he's sitting behind me. Like, he has the audacity to lean down uh, when the anthem is playing. I'm standing. This is, like, years ago. This is back, like, 2009, 2010. Might even been... 2008 might even been during the bush years uh i was downtown at the CenturyLink. um might have been the quest center at that time uh watching creighton basketball and he leaned down and said that like hey you need to remove your hat for the anthem or some shit like that i mean shut the fuck up and shit so this is 10 11 years ago so i'm in my early 20s ready for the bullshit i used to be with the shit uh earlier but getting old and married it, it makes you more uh, you have shit to lose. And I was talking to my wife about that. I said, I need to stop being so accommodating um, to people that I don't know. And she was like, that's true. And uh, just because I try to be extra polite um, because I don't want situations to arrive. Like if there's not something like like super disrespectful towards me. Um, but if it's just like a mild inconvenience, sometimes I'm just, you know, too accommodating just because I got so much to lose. You know what I'm saying? And that's the only thing that sucks about growing and building stuff, you know, because it's just my black ass just, you know, there's sometimes where it's just like, man, I should just knock you smooth the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I just have to find that healthy balance because sometimes if you catch me by myself, you know, I'm going to be with the shits all day, every day because I know I can dip out and get the fuck out of, you know, whatever area I'm, I'm at. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes when I'm hanging with my boys, I'm like that, too, in situations. Uh, I remember, like, me and my uh, my man's Julio, we were camping out this past Saturday and uh, for some kicks. Um, these Air Jordan Lows, these, like, Carolina blue and whites, real fresh. So the homie Julio was like, yo, we should camp out at the skate shop because they was getting them early before they released online. So we went and we had our little chairs out and shit like that. And uh, we had a line behind us, you know, and Julio's like, man, watch my spot. I'm going to, you know, go to the restroom. And uh, so he ran to the gas station real quick. The motherfucker was trying to cut, talking about, oh, man, he leaving. I was like, no, the fuck he ain't. I was like, his spot is right here. All right. His chair's still here. He's good. All right. And then the, guy, the guys was like, yeah, you right. You right. You right. I'm like, store ain't even going to open for another two hours. We all right. You good? We good? You know. So, I mean, if I'm by myself, I think it's just with my wife. I just get into that mode of, okay, let me just calm down and shit like that. But I have to, I think at times, like if it's blatant disrespect, you know, I'm going to check you right then and there. And, but if it's just like mild inconvenience shit, um, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, uh, it's whatever. I just let it kind of roll off my back, like attitude from like a cashier 
or a waiter or waitress or some shit you know what i'm saying like i just i let that kind of shit slide not just you know some blatant ass disrespect because one time i know i'm going off on a tangent we had my wife had a garage sale she had these signs up on our property and then uh and she had these little cute little um pinwheels it was like a flower but it was like a pinwheel you know and it was all different colors and it spins and shit like that so she's out there you know doing her thing and i'm i think i was i was doing something in the house and i came out to check on her and it was just some fucking stereotypical italian looking motherfucker uh he gonna walk by and he just picked up the pinwheel and just started walking with it so i hawked his ass down and you know i tapped him on the shoulder i'm like yo give me that back he's like oh man my son will love this i was like well you're gonna have to go buy it give me that shit back and he gave it right back because i was ready to square i squared up with him i was ready to hit him with that left right but he just gave it right back but it's just that mild inconvenience you know that mild you know a uh, 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 cashier with an attitude you know or some sassy gay waiter you know i just i just kind of let that shit slide and I, I really need to stop letting that minor shit slide you know what i'm saying it ain't nothing that i lose sleep over over Mama, but you know as i progress and become it. you know a bigger person you know and grow in my character i always just be like you know what i shouldn't have let that shit slide but it's all right anyways um let's see uh, let's see what else we got on that summer jam screen i didn't mean to rant like that but here we are um let's see what else oh speaking of not letting shit slide did y'all see that old ass uh man who attacked that uh truck and was walking through the cement i didn't know that happened here in the city so it was this old 70 year old guy he was with the shits now i ain't trying to be on that level you know when when i progress and get older i ain't trying to be that but he was out there slashing tires and he smashed the lights on that um on that work truck and the dude was just filming it and this was out uh almost near bennington this is out here by blair high road in ida um so it's pretty far north northwest and that's um so that area you're gonna have you're gonna have some farmland a lot of farmland but you're gonna have like these little cul-de-sacs of like uh you know them cookie cutter homes that all look the same but they just paint it differently you know that's that suburbia look you know what i'm saying that's what you have out there and so the guy was tripping um because there was a pickup in front of his house and so he goes up you know inspecting that shit going on this old man rent get off my lawn and shit like that and so then there's a guy in a work truck it looks like it was either a, a concrete mixer truck or just a you know a big ass dump truck and he just walks up with the hammer and just starts smashing shit on there like the lights and all this other shit and uh he's just i want the truck off my lawn he's yelling at the worker and then his goofy ass is walking through wet cement so this is you know this is on site you know this early dementia that's going on right now unless he's already suffering from it because if you mad about a truck that's parked in front of your house but it's on the street and you out here with a goddamn hammer walking through wet cement and smashing shit you, you you need to be looked after or you need to be on some meds and that's the god's honest truth so they ticket to him on a uh, criminal mischief 
but it can be upgraded to a felony because the misdemeanor is based on you know anywhere from $500 up to $1,500 in damages but if the damage to that work truck is more than five grand they're gonna upgrade it to a felony um and you know the cops even said that that pickup truck that was parked in front of his house that's a public right away so he could park there and it was uh his neighbor's son that's who parked in front of his house like you know like somebody need to check on their mans if that's your grandpa if that's your husband your uncle you know your older cousin or something uh you need to go and check on your mans because uh man i know me if that if i was in that situation um and my and i'm at work in my work truck and somebody just come up busting my windows and you know the lights and shit on my truck uh you know it might be a situation where i'm forced to defend myself you know what i'm saying and i remember this happened uh to me at uh i'm gonna tell you another story i was delivering to a walmart um they have these i don't know if y'all have them in other cities because i know um a lot of folks, um, I don't know if y'all do have these, uh, they call Walmart neighborhood markets and all they are are just uh, Walmart grocery store. They don't carry anything else. They have a pharmacy and then they have um, just, it's just grocery. It's just a straight up grocery store. So I'm delivering to a neighborhood market and I've always had words. And this is when I, this is when I first started. So maybe so about 2015. Yeah. So this is when I first, no, it's about 2016. I think after I got married. So I always had words with this guy. He always would roll up the door and talk shit about how much product I would bring in. Now, me, I'm just a delivery driver, right? So I'm just a muscle and I'm just a transportation. I have nothing to do with specific orders to different stores. So he would always roll the door up and have an attitude. I, you know, me, I just like, hey, how's it going? He wouldn't sh say shit. He'd be like, oh, you got more of this. And, you know, it wouldn't never acknowledge my greeting. And so I just stopped speaking to him. And so uh, one day I'm bringing in like three carts of product. And so he's helping me bring it in. He's like, oh, just bring it out to the floor. And then uh, because it was late at night and they were about to close. And so he's pulling one through the door and it gets stuck. So he pushes it and just flings it across and all, all the product starts falling on the floor. And I was like, hey, watch it. And he was like, you always bringing in too much product. And I was like, if you would have hit me with that, we would have had some problems. And then he mumbled under his breath. And then I said, what the fuck did you just say to me? And that's when I was just like, hey, I got enough money right now where I got, you know, I can pay all my bills for about four or five months. Right. So this was right before we bought the house. So, yeah, I was swimming in money. I had tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> so I didn't give a fuck because I was just like I could just sit on my ass for half a year if I wanted to. Yeah, so this was before we bought the house. Yeah, yeah, so this was about three years ago. And so, yeah, this was right, yeah, when I had a nice chunk of change, so I didn't give a fuck about nothing. It's cr that's why if you hear that old episode with me and So Sassy, we was talking about having a fuck it fun. If you got enough money, you know, where you could just chill for a little bit, you don't take no shit from nobody. And that's when I was like, man, what the fuck did you just say? And then he just walked off, and then he came back, and I was like, you're going to have to pick up this product. 
you know, you're damaging product right now and this hasn't been checked in. So technically it's still billed to my company and not Walmart. And then so he's just still mumbling. I was like, do you what's what is your problem with me? And uh, and he wouldn't say nothing. And then he just stood there. And he got like real mad in the face. And then I was just like, we got more than enough room outside. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he just walks move the fuck off and uh and so i just i just left and i called my boss and then i called his boss and then i was just like yo i had an incident here um if i continue to deliver to this store if i can continue to deliver to this store i will be forced to uh defend myself and if it comes to that i will defend myself and uh next thing you know he got transferred because i called his boss i called my boss his boss and then i called and filed a formal complaint with Walmart. because then because then it got to the point i was like oh i should just do like white folks do and then it, that's when i they just clicked because i when i told him we have more than enough room outside when he was just staring staring at me getting red in the face nose flaring up and shit like that uh that's that's when i was just like and he walked off and i was just like man what would a white person do in this situation? And so when I was walking outside, I was just like, well, let me call my boss, let him know what happened. And I called the store manager of that neighborhood market. And then he was just like, oh yeah, yeah I'll talk to him, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe that happened. And then that's when I filed a formal complaint with Walmart corporate. I emailed them and called them. And then somebody, some big wig, some district manager called me and apologized. I was like, no vendor should have to go through this and blah, blah, blah. And he ended up getting transferred. And I ain't seen that man since. But I don't even know why I'm talking about this right now. Um, I guess I'm talking about, you know, being with the shits and all this other stuff. But that's enough of my confrontational stories. But I don't, I'm going to just tell you the moral of the story. If you have enough money where you have at least, you know, I would say three, you know, to, uh, you could be two, two to five months worth of money that um, worth of like your bills, your rent or your mortgage, your car note and things like that and for groceries. Well, you know, your unemployment to take care of your groceries and shit like that. But the main thing, you know, is uh, the shelter part and the clothing well you don't need to buy any new clothes but food clothing shelter fund that's what it is that's what the fuck it fund is but when you're financially secure like that you don't take no shit but you also perform better at your job because it's not a desperation attempt if that makes sense it's not a desperation attempt of you um you know being so desperate for a job you just kissing ass and doing everything that you trying to do you know to uh please folks and all this other shit and you feel like you have to take shit from people you know what i'm saying so right now my fucking feeling is looking like you know maybe a couple months worth of bills and shit like that but i'm also married you see what i'm saying so then it's just you know the fucking fun is still growing and things like that but when that fucking fun when i had about man when i had about six months six seven months worth of uh you know, bill money just stacked up with rent included. Man, I ain't give a fuck, boy. <laughs> That's a good ass feeling, boy. <laughs> but anyways, let's see what else. Uh, speaking of not giving a fuck, um, did you know? And we did this in uh, Napa Valley. We ordered some food off of uh, Grubhub. Was it Grubhub? It was Grubhub, Uber Eats, one of them motherfuckers, Postmates or something out in Cali because our hotel, they give you a code 
um, for free delivery. So you, you don't have a delivery charge at all. Right. And uh, and so we did that. I ordered some uh, some food from a Chinese spot and my wife ordered some food from a um, um, what's the type of food she likes? Thai. It was like a Thai cafe. Um, and she she had like curry beef because they didn't have the chicken. She really loves curry chicken. Um, so she had curry beef and I had like shrimp fried rice and some shit like that. But it was fire. It was fire. And this is my first time ever fucking with them. Now, y'all, if y'all, anybody knows me personally, knows I don't fuck with people who fuck with my food. You know, or make my drinks, you know, so I don't talk shit to a bartender, uh, a waiter or waitress and, um, you know, cafeteria workers. I just try to be as nice as possible because I can't see you preparing my food. Right. So I don't fuck with people like that. My wife be with the shit. If something is wrong and somebody got a fucked up attitude, she going to let you know, like, yo, okay, you having a bad day. It is what it is, you know. You need to scratch your ass and get glad. She ain't going to say that, but she going to check them. Right. And um, so, you know, I was I, I was weary of doing it. But um, the only places that was close to us at the hotel was an in and out. We were tired of that. And we didn't really want to we didn't really want to go out and have another expensive dinner. And we just kind of wanted to just cool out because uh, I think this was the day we were on the trolley for so damn long. We got so fucking drunk. So you just wanted to kind of just go home and home was the hotel and just kind of like, yo, let's just cool the fuck out. Like we were still drunk as skunks, you know, and everything. So, um, so we ordered there and I was just on the fence. Cause like I said, you just hear about these horror stories. That <laughs> sounds funny. Horror stories. You have these horror stories of, you know, you know somebody done ate some fries out your food you know because you got the the ring doorbell you know what i'm saying with the camera on it and shit and i was happy to see that um all of our food it was like double knot tied and the receipt was stapled to the knot on both of our food so that made me feel better because i'm like okay ain't nobody fucking with my food and the people who dropped off our food they looked clean so i was happy about that right but the goddamn today show ran a story in early well like last week might have been a week and a half ago um <laughs> talking about these delivery service and it said out of a survey one in four delivery drivers admit to tasting your food before delivering it now you know how sick to my stomach this made me because you you just know how nasty people are because you're a person you know what i'm saying you might dig you know digging your nose on the low you know what i'm saying picking your teeth digging in your ears you know what i'm saying and some of you motherfuckers are even nasty enough to dig in your ass and smell it you know what i'm saying some of y'all uh remember that video on world star i don't know if y'all seen it but it was a black dude who had who was on some kind of british show they had some weird shit overseas uh you know full frontal nudity and shit but it was something on uh world star and it was a uk show like a nurse show and this dude was talking about how his dick was hurting as he got older this motherfucker wasn't washing the dick cheese off of his dick 
So I think he was like uncircumcised, so it was just like dirt and bacteria just in there growing, and his dick was like all fucked up. I'm like, how do you not wash your dick properly? This man was in his early 20s. You learn to wash your dick properly when you're a fucking child, when you start taking baths by yourself. You know, your mama and daddy teach you how to wash up down there. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, how? And how are you out here having sex with women? They don't smell that. You know what I'm saying? If they offering you the sloppy toppy, like your dick cheese, like your dick, like what? I don't know. It's just too much. But I'm just saying people are fucking nasty. I don't know why I thought of that, but I think of the worst shit when it comes to food. That's why I'm so nice. So they were saying, um, let me see here. Um, the survey, it was commissioned and conducted by restaurant, food supplier and distributor, U.S. Food. Ask both consumers and delivery workers about their habits and pain points when it comes to ordering and delivering meals. Okay, so out of nearly 500 delivery workers surveyed, more than 25% said they munched on food from an order. That is fucked up, man. That is fucked up. I'll, that, that, so that would be my first and last time dealing with uh with food delivery places like the lord was on my side when i ordered that chinese food and that thai food like i said it was double knot tied and the receipt was stapled to the knots and i appreciate that with all of my soul and my heart because my worst fear has been confirmed somebody doing something nasty to my food you know what i'm saying that's just a fear of mine if y'all want to get back at me the uh the white supremacists or the people who call me a race baiter and all this other shit that's how you that's that's my kryptonite is you fucking with my food now i might end up with a glock 19 and you know take take out your whole family if i find out that you you dropped a pube or you spat in my food but hey for every action there's a reaction right so y'all let me know um you know in the soundcloud comments or email me um at durags and boat shoes at gmail.com if after hearing this and reading the article because i'm gonna post it in the show notes would you still fuck with food delivery after they surveyed those 500 drivers and 25 percent of them said that they done munched on some food and that's tough now i remember when mcdonald's first introduced that they were going to deliver through uber eats and i know somebody didn't had they nasty ass dirty hands in that bag snagging some goddamn french fries i know that and if you've ever been to these places um like the chinese food spot the thai spot the mcdonald's the taco bell and you see who's picking up this food um you just you, you would stop you know if you saw how this person just kind of waddles in there and just look you just like yo this is disgusting this is nasty and i just i don't know i don't know you know i i have um i still order pizza but you have to think about pizza it comes in them hot boxes them hot bags or whatever then it's still in a box you know so i don't know maybe because i grew up on that we all grew up on you know pizza delivery but it's just something about somebody you don't know bringing you a bag of arby's and giving you your drink and you just like 
Did you lick the lid when you hit a bump and there was a little bit of the Sprite that came out? Just something to think about. I'm just, just something to think about. Um, and it's expensive too. It's like, why are you charging me a delivery fee? Then on top of that, it's encouraged that I tip the driver. Who's getting this delivery fee? You see what I'm saying? That's always some bullshit too. But anyways, I'm gonna leave it to my nigga Hove. I've been talking too damn much. Um, Hove, do you fuck with delivery services? Well, Don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen. I smoke rocks. I smoke rocks. All right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro of selling hope like damn dope. Um, before we get started on selling hope like dope, did y'all see that clip that's floating around today? It's Tuesday. Um, with Simone Sanders explaining, uh, with uh, Joe Biden said when he said, uh, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. Man, it's tough to see her out there explaining. Now, I knew that she was. You know, kind of part of a part of that, you know, uh, so-called elite black crowd. I didn't have a problem with that. And she from, you know, she from the town. She from, you know, Omaha. And and it's it's just tough to um, see her out here repping like that. You know, it's just, man, like racist ass Joe Biden. Like, man, the the the, uh, the the brains so to speak of the of the uh, 94 crime bill like man it's just tough i know you got to do what you can to keep the lights on and you're trying to get into that uh you know trying to get a seat at the table in the white house but it's just man it is difficult to watch her up on cnn explaining and you know caping for uh joe biden that is tough to watch man that is tough and then even what's even crazier is seeing jay-z and rock nation teaming up with the nfl for like a social um justice type thing t partnering with the nfl it's like hove what you doing like i know rock nation sports so i know that firm is just trying to be legit uh, excuse me in the sports world and everything but uh hove this ain't it I mean, you even said on ape shit that, you know, the NFL needs you. You don't need them. I know it's business moves, but I don't know. I just feel like right now, you know, this social justice shit, like with all these big celebs getting into it and it's, and it's moving away from being grassroots and it's becoming like a more celebrity infused movement. Uh, you know, a lot of black folks are just gonna fall by the wayside. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I feel. Um, if the case, well, I feel like, you know, if the case doesn't garner uh, enough social media attention and clickbaits and hits, then your cause is just gonna be left behind. You know how Kim is out here, you know, freeing black folks and things like that. I just feel like with more celebrities getting into it, if it doesn't garner a bunch of comments, a bunch of rhetoric you know a bunch of likes on ig and shit like that then your case won't be heard i fear that we'll be moving towards that level but i hope that's not the truth um but i've been right about a lot of this stuff before you know but anyways uh remember on last episode 160 i told y'all how to what to do with y'all 125 dollars from uh, equifax well, selling hope like dope has to come from the uh, Federal Trade Commission. Like right after I dropped that episode, um, the F the FTC I'm gonna drop this uh, blog post talking about Equifax data breach, pick free credit monitoring, monitoring, 
<clears throat> excuse me so y'all know with that data breach um you had the option of getting 125 dollars or the credit monitoring right and most folks the majority of folks picked that 125 dollars because like i said with me and my wife you know we already have some sort of credit monitoring that either came with uh, our credit cards or from a free app like credit karma you know what i'm saying so why would i need that you know what i'm saying we always get alarmed if um like our like my capital one card has a thing if uh my information is found on the black web like it scans the black web like i got this cashback credit card and it does that right and it gives me my fico score and shit like that and then um my american express card it does the same thing lets me know if any of my information has been uh not on the dark web but just online anywhere you know what i'm saying so um there was some kind of data breach with uh what's the uh it's not the apple watch people what's the uh what's what is the fitbit the fitbit people like i had a fitbit i still have a fitbit and um somehow my email got on the dark web or something but i haven't gotten weird emails or anything like that or you know sign up for free trials or like porn and bullshit like that so the ftc i feel like is in bed with the um with equifax because they're talking about that folks won't get that 125 dollars because with the settlement they only set aside 31 million dollars uh to be paid out to people which i'm like what the fuck but then you look at the rest of the settlement you know from the high courts and it's basically all this these fines going to the ftc so basically the federal trade commission is just like yo y'all need to chill out because we might have to the equifax might have to dip into the pot of the fine money that's coming directly towards us and i will tell you what I've seen a lot of people talking about this online uh, about a week ago saying that if they don't get that check for 125 bucks or that visa uh you know that visa prepaid card for 125 dollars they will try to link up and do a class action lawsuit against equifax and against the federal trade commission right so you can't really just be out here like oh do you want this or that and then be unprepared when mainly everybody's like just give me the cash because there's so many credit monitoring services that are attached to bank accounts and credit card accounts as a perk you see what i'm saying so if shit hits the fan and i tell you what if i get a check coming in the mail me or the wife get a check to say like 38 dollars and some change well i'ma be signing my name and her name up against a class action lawsuit against the federal trade commission and goddamn equifax i will tell you that right now so um same thing if y'all already signed up uh i had the links in the last show notes and the shit is uh you know a little bit crooked for you um just let me know and i'll get y'all signed up in that class action lawsuit too because we gonna get that 125 dollars and then i'll be like you know what this pain and distress i need 1.25 million dollars or 12 and a half million dollars whichever y'all feel like doing all right <laughs> let's be selling hope like dope this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so moving on to holding this l we have to give it to of course the united states government and its so-called uh 
security teams uh for these um for the excuses they've been making uh for these uh white supremacist uh mass shooters so you had the garlic festival you had that killing that mass killing down in el paso and then what was the other one in dayton ohio so you had those all happen with not even within a month of each other you know what i mean i shouldn't even be saying that within a month that's fucking crazy right so uh we've seen nobody wants to talk about the cause nobody wants to talk about them being radicalized um believing in the system of racism white supremacy feeling like the white man's about to die out you know um the numbers are dwindling um you got interracial dating and mixing race mixing just everything and now excuse me you have you know white feminists coming for white men and uh you so right now the white man and white boys are feeling like the whole country is against them right so you have these festering grounds uh online and uh you know different chat rooms and shit like that popping up and next thing you know you have a mass shooting going on so um they're blaming everything from mental illness to video games um, but they won't acknowledge racism, white supremacy. They will not acknowledge that these men were bigots, you know, were ingrained, you know, have racism, white supremacy just running through their veins and were trying to be a white sacrifice and sort of like a suicide bomber. <sighs> Excuse me to brain needs oxygen. I'm just tired of talking about this, I guess talk about it so fucking much um and so you just seeing these killings going on and on it was at what a walmart a nightclub uh, a festival and it's just you know these weirdos just throwing on like body armor and having an ar-15 they said the guy in ohio before he got killed he shot what 26 people in like 30 seconds in like 32 seconds or some shit like that and that is crazy i think he would kill what nine people or something like that in that el paso killing that was over 20 people died and it's just it is weird that authorities will not try and break up these bands of white supremacists from the alt-right you know right on down to the clan you know what i'm saying everything in between and i think is because a lot of them you know in law enforcement are part of the you know part of the invisible empire as i've said before and what's fascinating to me is uh there's an article way back from 2009 back in april cbs news ran this and this was back when dhs was around the department of homeland security um they had a domestic terror warning and it angered the gop back back when the uh the the House of Representatives was led by uh, John Boehner, right? And so, uh, let me. So they were basically angry that the DHS um, ran this report, and it pretty much said it said. Um, let me just give you the gist of it for the key findings. I'm not going to read the the full um, 
PDF. Um, but let's see here. Let me just, I'm going to hit, hit you off with these paragraphs. So it says DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis INA has no specific information that domestic right wing terrorists are currently planning acts of violence. Remember, this was written back in 2009. Uh, they had their, you know, they didn't have any specific information about them planning acts of violence. But right wing extremists may be gaining new recruits by playing on the fears about several emergent issues. The economic downturn and the election of the first African-American president present uh, presents uh, unique drivers for a right wing radical radicalization and recruitment threats from white supremacists and violent anti-government groups during 2009 have been largely rhetorical and have not in indicated plans to carry out violent attacks. Nevertheless, the consequences of prolonged economic downturn, including real estate foreclosures, unemployment and an inability to obtain credit could create a fertile recruiting environment for right wing right wing extremists and even result in confrontations between such groups and government authorities similar to those in the past. Right-wing extremists have capitalized on the election of the first African-American president and are focusing their efforts to recruit new members, mobilize existing supporters, and broaden their scope and appeal through propaganda, but they have not yet turned to attack planning. All right, the current economic and political climate has some similarities to the 90s when right-wing extremism experienced a resurgence fueled largely by an economic recession, criticism about the outsourcing of jobs. So this is, remember back in the 90s, if y'all old enough, uh, some of y'all might be too young because I know this is geared towards folks, you know, a little bit younger than me. I try to be your OG and give you that game. But in the 90s, um, you know, a lot of jobs were outsourcing. So that's why when you call Sprint, Verizon, or Texas, support you get somebody in india or you call you call like the walmart helpline you know about you know a, a warranty or some shit like that you get somebody in india who can barely speak english right and the perceived threat to u.s power and sovereignty by other foreign powers during the 1990s these issues contributed to the growth in the number of domestic right-wing terrorists and extremist groups and an increase in violent acts targeting government facilities law enforcement officers banks and infrastructure sectors so like back in the 90s you had the oklahoma city bombing you know what i'm saying so growth of these groups subsided in reaction to increased government scrutiny as a result of the 95 oklahoma city bombing and disrupted plots involvements in the economy and the continued u.s standing as the preeminent uh world power the possible passage of new restrictions on firearms and the return of military veterans facing significant challenges reintegrating into their communities could lead to the potential emergence of terrorist groups or lone wolf extremists capable of carrying out violent attacks. Okay, um, so let's see here so the the gop at the time they were pissed about this coming out because it was talking about the right you know the right wing and then they were trying to blame it on veterans talking about you can't uh label veterans as a right wing extremists and shit like that but a lot of times what you see in these white extremist groups you know when you see them training online running through the forest and like punching trees and shit and doing barrel rolls and shit like that a lot of that shit they learn from a vet who either who was uh who was discharged you know what i'm saying 
and who had a little bit too much fun killing brown folks abroad they're usually the ones who you know give uh them right wing you know they they're usually the ones doing the training teaching them you know combat techniques and things like that how to flank and uh you know uh how to reload faster and how to shoot more accurately and things of that sort right so you have a ton of those videos online but it's all disguised under like patriotism and you know the government won't take our guns and all this other shit and what is it jingoism extreme patriotism but it's you know patriotism uh it's racism disguised as patriotism that's all that it is that's what it breaks down to but this article from 2009 it talks about how the gop just kind of brushed it off you know what i'm saying and then uh they even had michelle malkin i don't know if y'all know who this is um this is an asian woman who's out here to, uh, she's trying to get um what's that guy's name is it pantaleo let me look it up real quick give me just a damn second i'm sorry i got my uh my uh piece of shit cops mixed up it's that Holtzclaw guy that daniel Holtzclaw. so michelle malkin is a uh it's this asian woman who's um who's uh trying to get daniel Holtzclaw off and she's a so-called conservative blogger aka a white man's whore who's she, she loves just trying to um she loves trying to just playing that role of you know the stereotypical so-called uh model minority you know what i'm saying so she was even listed in this um in this uh 2009 article and she called the report one of the most embarrassingly shoddy pieces of propaganda i'd ever read out of dhs and now you fast forward 10 years look where these white supremacists are now a lot of them are writing manifestos inspiring others and committing you know mass murders this is exactly what they're doing and the dhs tried to warn us it's just like even going back a little bit a few years earlier when the fbi tried to warn us the feds tried to warn us that uh white supremacists have infiltrated law enforcement right so it's all out there but nothing has been done because they keep hitting these guys with kid gloves keep treating them like uh they're troubled youths they're just misguided when they didn't just killed uh, multiple people and they told you why they killed these multiple people if you go back and look at dylan roof uh they were even trying to get him to um plead like he was mentally retarded you know he suffered from mental retardation i think because he didn't graduate high school to give him a lesser sentence and he just let them know no i knew exactly what i was doing you know and he wanted to inspire others and here we are right and then so you look at the right and they're just like no this isn't it blah 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 then you look at these fucktards on the left um these so-called uh white liberals on the left they love to tweet about gun control when this shit happens but they always start their tweets off with i'm not gonna say his name uh the the killer's name i'm not going to uh tweet out his manifesto and this is some white liberal with uh, with tens of thousands of followers right they love to do that shit and that's them just being complacent complicit in uh the system of racism white supremacy you know because they still feel you know there's some allegiance to that person they always hide behind the guise of i don't want to say the guy's name he's just looking for fame the motherfucker's in jail now 
you know, how's that been working out for y'all so far? You love to say about, well, I'm not going to tweet out the manifesto. I'm not going to share it at all. You know what I'm saying? And because a lot of times it'll list out some of these so-called white heroes that people love, you know, and the right loves to do that shit too. They took a page out of the left's book when they do that. I'm not going to tweet out this manifesto. And it's just like, oh, because your name is written in it 15 fucking times. But those on the left, they like to say that you know just because um you know they i feel like it's a sense of them protecting trying to protect that uh that white killer you know that white terrorist you know what i'm saying these same people will go out of their way to tweet a video of a black man getting his brains blown out by a cop but they won't say the white terrorist name or his manifesto so we can read about this sick fuck and how he thinks so we can look at the warning signs for other white men out here who we work with who we live next door to you know and when we're in public places and what to look for you see what i'm saying that's that's some sucker shit right there so i think deep down on an osmosis type trip you know or on a on a biological level they're just trying to protect whiteness you know what i'm saying they do it under the guise of oh i don't want to give this guy any fame but you go back two months and they're showing a, a a video of eric gardner being choked out and dying on the street you see what i'm saying or some black man or showing the La laquan mcdonald video of him uh the burger king surveillance video of him being riddled with bullets you know what i'm saying without a warning or anything right so get the fuck out of here um but yeah i just thought that was um fascinating to me because i was just doing some searches you know just on domestic terrorism you know and uh, and i put in like keywords like gop and this was the first thing one of the first things that popped up besides a whole bunch of medium pieces you know people blogging and shit like that but yeah 10 years ago the department of homeland security tried to warn us about this and i told y'all before a lot of these white men feel like they've been cuckolded by having a black president lead this nation for eight years you know what I'm saying? Black folks showed up and showed out both times to uh, get uh, former President Barack Obama in office. And that scared them seeing that much power. If black folks all just came together and were on the same page, that scared the shit out of them. Right. And then everybody, you know, so-called bougie blacks was just like, oh, we'd have made it. Ain't no more racism and shit like that. I remember Charlemagne used to be on that shit tough back in back in the Obama years. He used to be on that shit tough. We got a black president. Ain't no more. And boy, motherfuckers got their wake up call, didn't they? We had a weak ass candidate running against, uh, you know, a known bigot and uh, Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? We had that weak ass candidate and who shitted on black folks for years, Hillary Clinton looking at you. And then uh, we had because we were then we started getting disappointed in Barack Obama, you know, because we realized, oh, shit, we've been hoodwinked. He didn't really do shit specifically for black folks to uplift black folks and to give us an, an equity package. You know what I'm saying? To uh, combat the system of racism, white supremacy. Right. And so now. And so you had that just perfect storm and he came out here wagging his fingers at us, you know, telling you, you, you know, don't boo, vote, you know, and vote for Hillary and all this other shit. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. It's not happening at all. What the hell is this calling me? Goddamn car people calling me. Um, I'm trying. I'm looking for a brand new truck to buy 
and I made the mistake of trying to get some internet pricing you know they make you before you see the internet pricing like if you go through your bank or whatever um, they'll have like special offers and shit they make you put your email address in there and your phone number my dumb ass you know the first time I tried to put in a fake phone number and a fake email address and they were just like oh we'll email you the quote and the second time I just put the real shit in and these motherfuckers been calling me for a week and a half straight like it's just so thirsty for a sale it's just man it takes a certain type of person to actually be a car salesman because you gotta be a persistent annoying motherfucker boy right but anyway let's get back to what i was speaking about so um as i was saying we've been warned since 2009 about you know these groups coming together and there's a fascinating thread what i was trying to get up lead up to is this thread on twitter this white mother um posted about how um some of the radicalization tools um that a lot of these white supremacists are using and uh, i'm gonna just read the tweets i'll i'll um copy the link um in the show notes but um this woman let me see who she is she's a she's a media critic um her name is joanna schroeder schroeder that's what it is schroeder and then she said do you have white teenage sons listen up i've been watching my boys online behavior and noticed that social media and vloggers are actively laying groundwork in white teens to turn them into alt-right white supremacists here's how it's a system I believe is pur- purposefully con- created to disillusion white boys away from progressive liberal perspectives. First, the boys are inundated by memes featuring subtly, subtly uh, racist, sexist, homophobic, and anti-Semitic jokes. That's really how it starts. That's how they pull you in. You know, it might be like a subreddit of memes or some kind of Facebook page. It's like your favorite a vlogger or a youtuber you know he does like video games and all this other shit then you start following them on instagram and twitter and they start posting these kind of low-key racist memes and shit like that or real sexist memes and um you know so being kids they don't see the nuance and then repeat and share so then they're called out for these jokes phrases memes by parents teachers kids mostly girls at school and online So then the boys feel shame and embarrassment and shame is the force that I believe leads people to their worst decisions. And this is true. This is why you see a lot of white nationalists be uh, they recruit through video games. And there was an article about this from a so-called former uh, white supremacist. And he said that's why they would always be in game rooms and stuff, because, you know, teenage boys and preteen boys, they're trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, they can really define them and mold them because you're already dealing with awkwardness you know dealing with trying to find your independence but at the same time you're living with your parents and shit like that but going on in these tweets she said the second step is the boys consuming media with the people are too sensitive and you can't say anything more themes and that's true right um for these boys this this will ring true they're getting in trouble for so-called nothing right so they'll share a racist ass meme or really sexist meme and say like the girl that they have a crush on calls them out on Facebook like, hey, this is really sexist, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then so now they're feeling ashamed and then, you know, then they're 
dad or their mom come talk to them and just like yo what, what the fuck you doing we didn't raise you like that you know what i'm saying and so you talking to him the parents are talking to him like that and then he's feeling all shame face and shit like that and then he's getting frustrated he's like i ain't even do nothing you know all i do what did was hit share you know and shit like that so then they start getting angry and that's the same thing she says here this narrative allows boys to shed the shame replacing it with anger and who is their anger with so then it turns out it's going to be women feminists liberals people of color gay folks etc so-called snowflakes so anything that's non-white and not a male and it, nobody is there to dismantle the snowflake fallacy these boys are being set up they're placed like baseballs on a tee and hit right out the park and nobody seems to notice this happening except it seems moms of teenage girls who see the bizarre harassment their daughters endure and of course moms like me who stalk our son's social media uh, these are often boys from progressive and or moderate families, but their online behavior and viewing habits are often ignored. Here's an early red flag. If your kid says triggered as a joke, referring to people being sensitive, he's already being exposed and on his way. Intervene. Uh, look through his Instagram, explore screen with him. Uh, explain what's underlying those memes explain why triggered isn't a joke and what a PTSD trigger is actually like evoke empathy without shaming him remind him you know he's a good person but explain how propaganda works propaganda makes extreme points of view seem normal by small amounts of exposure over time all for the purpose of converting people to more extremists points of views uh use my baseball analogy if you want tell your son that he doesn't have to be anybody's fool teenagers have an innate drive toward independence and once the system is exposed they're likely to start questioning the memes and vloggers intentions tell them you are always there not judging to look at content try to try to spot the lie no judgment then don't judge you can also watch political comedy shows with him like trevor noah john oliver hassan minaj um talk about what makes their jokes funny who are the butt of the jokes do they punch up or down our boys want funny guys to relate to give them um john mulaney hannibal burris Hassan minaj neil brennan dave chappelle then talk to your sons about the funny shit break it down um show them that progressive comedy isn't about being politically correct or safe it's often about exposing oppressive systems which is the furthest thing from safe or delicate as you can get which is true um disprove the snowflake garbage and once for all ask your son who is more of a delicate snowflake the person who gets offended by racism sexism and active actively wants to help end bit bigotry or the person who is offended by people saying happy holidays instead of merry christmas above all we need to stay engaged and challenge our kids without shaming them I'm lucky my kids are smart and have a smart critical progressive dad who isn't afraid to call bullshit when he sees it um, but I've seen so many white boys fall and pray to this system. So be aware. All right. So, I mean, that's just what it breaks down to. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of alone time and, you know, letting the video games and um, social media raise these kids. So then you have to ask the question, where are these boys fathers at? You know what I'm saying? Where are the fuck are they at? Where are the parents? How come you're not monitoring what your child is doing online? You know, how are they becoming radicalized online and then going in and shooting up a church, a Walmart, nightclubs and shit like that? 
and um you know the u.s government should be just ashamed of itself um to come out and try to blame video games and mental illness but i do agree racism white supremacy is a mental illness it really is to not be able to look at a fellow human being as human is some sick shit if to look at somebody who's not the same color as you as an enemy and y'all have to share the same planet is sickening you know just judging them without knowing them is a sickness you know what i'm saying and um we have a white supremacist here in nebraska he calls himself the the farmland fuhrer or some shit like that and this was a guy who was locked up in um in europe for like four years he did time for uh being such such a bigot um what's this guy's name it is uh gerhard lauk and he lives in fairbury nebraska and um wwt the local news uh the local nbc affiliate here did a story with him interviewing him because there's been a lot of racist propaganda popping up in the uh dundee neighborhood which is a very wealthy area it's in the midtown of the city but it's very wealthy bunch of big old houses uh mansions and things like that in the area it's a lot of doctors that live in that area when I used to do trash in that area, I used to clean up. There'd be some days I have $200, $300 in tips from that goddamn route. Because people run out, they'd be late with their trash, they run out, hand you a fucking $20 bill. It's like $10 here, $20 here. There was one time, it wasn't $400, it was $360 I made just from people running up and giving me 20s and shit like that like oh thank you thank you thank you ten dollars here twenty dollars here you know some days it'd be like 120 i was on that route for like a month and i think i probably almost made a thousand dollars that working that wednesday you know them four wednesdays that ain't that ain't a bad haul right that ain't a bad haul right there making 100 dollars here 380 here another 200 here then there's like another 150 dollars here so you fucking cleaning up right so i put that towards my house when i was doing trash but so it's a very uh wealthy neighborhood so there was a flyer that popped up and it had a missing and it had like a white girl on it blonde hair blue eyes uh and it said missing so it looked like a missing poster but then it said uh white identity and it had all this you know racist uh garbage on it then there was another one where they had this uh, cartoon character of like law enforcement tossing uh, some Mexican men over the border uh, and it had the number for ICE. And then uh, somebody at the park over there, um, they uh, burned a swastika into uh, the ground over there at Memorial Park or whatever. So, um, and then in that same neighborhood, uh, this happened a couple years ago uh, or about a year ago, um, there was racist propaganda being put into little free libraries so if y'all don't know what a little free library is it's basically it looks like a giant um, mailbox and it has a bunch of books in there we have one we actually have one in our in our uh, yard and we got a bunch of great books in there for kids the kids love coming by and grabbing it because i also throw snacks in there and i throw food in there well we i should say we not i but we me and the wife do that we throw food in there you know canned goods and chips and stuff and you know little snacks for after school and things like that so that brings the kids in the snacks but then they also take a book right so that's how you hook them in there so they keep coming back for the books 
And I was, oh man, I was, I would have my fingers crossed if somebody threw some of that white propaganda in there, that white supremacist propaganda. I was gonna let the, I was gonna let the, uh, the chopper fly though, boy. I was gonna be ready for it. So I was, I remember when I, cause this, when this happened, this is when we were first putting up the Little Free Library. And in the mornings, I would just sit at the table and I can see from my uh, dining room table, I could look directly out there. And I was suspicious of every white man that stopped by that motherfucker, boy. I would run right back out there when they be out there and i'd copy them license plates down <laughs> i threw them away but it was just people you know checking out the books or taking a book or putting another kid's book in there or some shit like that but so we have that here in nebraska so we have this guy called the so-called farmland fuhrer or whatever and um he's basically you know on that white identity thing and they always try to hide behind they're protecting themselves and i guess that's true right they're trying to protect their race to keep it going on and i'd never have a problem with white identity right if you love your culture and things like that i've never had a problem with it but the problem with white identity it, it comes at the expense of non-white somebody always has to be subjugated somebody has to a group of people have to be murdered have to be working for free um have to be broke fucked up in the game it never can be an even playing field when it comes to white pride and white identity and shit like that if it was on the same equal playing field go ahead build your fucking utopia go ahead and do your goddamn thing but it always came at the expense of harming non-whites more specifically black folks that's where the big problem comes into why do you have to why you thriving has to be you know why does your foot have to be on my neck for you to thrive you see what I'm saying? That's some fucked up shit. And I'm reading the delectable uh, Negro right now. And I've come to the conclusion why there hasn't been a mass extermination of black folks in America or any other group, uh, non-white group in America, is because we're an energy source energy source like food a, a consumable for this uh so to speak in a social sense of the system of racism white supremacy we have to we're the consumables we have to keep the system going you know what i'm saying as far as something to devour because if not it will devour itself and then they will die all off you know what i'm saying if they wiped out every single non-white person if the white supremacists wiped out every single non-white and every single uh nigger love and white person you know so-called liberal just wiped them out and it was just white supremacists it would not be a utopia they would eat and devour each other you would have the white supremacists versus the white extremists versus the white identity uh extremists you know what i'm saying uh versus the alt-right versus the alt-light you know what I'm saying? They would just break off into factions and kill each other off. So there has to be some sort of consumption to keep them from devouring each other. That's what I that's what I from reading this book. That's what I've come to the conclusion of. That's what it boils down to. That's why we haven't seen some sort of mass extermination program. It's just let me harm a few of them. But that's it, because we keep them going you know like i like i give that analogy all the time the most bigoted poor ass white supremacist living in a trailer park he wouldn't switch places with jay-z he wouldn't if he woke up the next day as jay-z looked in the mirror he would jump out a window and kill himself you know what i'm saying because sometimes with these people whiteness is all that they have 
that's all that they have. But I feel like I'm just going off on a tangent. Um, but I don't know. Let me know what y'all think of that theory, because um, I really do feel like we are a so-called food source for the system of racism, white supremacy. But that has been holding this L. You win. Perfect. All right, so moving on to not all heroes wear capes. Uh, we have to give it to the brother uh, Tariq Nasheed um, for being banned in the UK. That's crazy. So he was about to have the premiere of his critically acclaimed uh, series, uh, Hidden Colors 5, the fifth installment of the series. And the last one, he was about to have a premiere there in the UK. And he's getting ready to hop on his flight. You know, he's at the airport and they're just like, nah like the i guess the parliament or local government there um pretty much just sent the fact saying that nah he's been banned from the uk he can't travel over there and um the only thing that he learned is that he's not conducive uh to the people of the uk so that means just basically you coming over here to start some shit and get our negras you know all riled up and we don't need that right now right so that's basically what it breaks down to. So, um, like I said uh, earlier in the uh, podcast, I had to re-record the episode because I had to find time to watch HC5. I actually got it playing in the background right now. This is the third time it's going through. Um, and, you know, the Afro-American bookstore, you know, you can pick that up off of Lake Street. And they got it cheaper than Amazon because it's like 30 bucks on Amazon and you got to pay for shipping and handling. Excuse me. It's only uh, 25 at the Afro American bookstore, and you can pick up, you know, some the other installments or some some other great documentaries that they have there, and also pick up a book or something. You know, a lot of times I pick up books there. You know, like um, Black Labor, White Wealth, um, Powernomics. I'm a huge Dr. Claude Anderson fan, um, and so with HC5, um, I was I loved dr claude anderson in there i wish he was in there more uh he has the sister shahrazad ali in there and she's kicking some real game um it talks about you know like black warfare you know and it basically breaks down how the system of racism white supremacy uh attacks you you know through entertainment uh through medical um what else uh sexually and uh you know physically too and so it breaks down in the beginning quite well um you know africans first experience uh going to war with so-called caucasians you know uh them trying to come through egypt um you know that's where it connects right with the middle middle east um so that was dope but a lot of the information i knew before because y'all know i'm a reader um i read a lot and i listen to a lot of audio books uh, just because i'm on the road so much with my job and so um a lot of the information i knew um nothing really wasn't um groundbreaking to me um i wish it could i could have went into uh, a couple of different uprisings like the mink slide one um you know the um what else we got um what's the brother that was with the, de the deacons for defense um robert i forgot the brother's name it's slipping my tongue now but um there was that brother and it was just uh, a couple of more there's a great book that says this non-violent stuff will get you killed and it's basically about different armed resistance that black folks had um after post 
um, slavery, you know, defending their communities and fighting back and really not taking any shit. Um, so I, that's what I thought that the documentary is going to break down, but it actually just breaks down how the system attacks you more so, right? So um, Shahrazad Ali is kicking good game in there, and so is Dr. Claude Anderson. Um, but I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't understand why uh, Brother Polite was in there. Um, like he really wasn't kicking any real good game. Like he was just talking very loudly in there. Um, Dame was giving some good information about the music industry and things like that. Talking about how the music industry, if they can't use you, they don't want you. You know what I'm saying? And you have these young kids having like millions of dollars and, you know, no financial literacy, you know, so they're just blowing that money, you know, you know, just going into a hole and being owned by the, uh, entertainment business. So, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, you know, I wouldn't, uh, if I would have went to the theaters, I would have been kind of be disappointed because a lot of the information is repeated. Like when they talk about Hannibal, um, you know, him riding the elephants and how you can, how you know that he's black because of the coins, you know, with the elephant and then him on the flip side. And it's very obvious that he's black. Um, and then they, they talk briefly, um, I think because I read so much, I just wish it went in depth more, but you know, when, with these hidden color series, it kind of just, you know, it gives you the game and then you have to, you know, kind of find the resources and read more in depth because it's giving to giving you information really fast. And I know the brother, when he was saying, when he was making the films that, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to go too in depth in a topic, you know, because people will get bored. So you have to keep on switching it up. And, and I get it. That's why those interviews are so short. And then you have like a, a image or a graphic and then it, the next person comes on and it just because, you know, people's attention span is short. So but what I would really like to see, nobody really goes in depth. I don't think there is a documentary about it, but there's just that book, White Women's Rights, about uh, white women's role in the system of racism, white supremacy. I mean, you could do a great documentary on that leading all the way up to the election of the Cheeto-in-Chief and just how even college-educated women, white women were voting for, uh, you know, the, the um, Orange Julius Caesar. You know what I'm saying? So, still go pick up, um, you know, Hidden Colors 5 and salute to that brother. Um, you know you're doing something right when a country bans you because they don't want you riling up their niggas. So, salute to Tariq Nasheed and Hidden Colors 5. So make sure y'all go pick it up just to uh, finish out the series if you own all of them. I do. And, um, you know, some good information in there. A lot of times um, when he talks about a book or something, um, you know, I'll go and buy it. Like in Hidden Colors 4, there was a great brother in there named Robin Walker, and he had the book When We Rule. And this looks like a big ass textbook. I was, I, I was like $30, $40 on uh, Amazon. I bought it. And it basically, it breaks down African civilizations and, you know, where they ruled at and the different tribes and the kingdoms all throughout Africa before slavery. And it's a fascinating book. Very fascinating. Got artifacts in it, pictures. This brother really did did his due diligence in this book. So that's a fascinating book, When We Ruled. Um, 
but to me in the whole series of hidden colors hidden colors 3 was the one that did it for me that was the great one to me because it was the rules of racism and it broke down you know racism step by step and how it works and how you know the so-called dominant society came into power and how they you know mentally brainwash you you know what i'm saying but still check out hc5 um it's basically talking about warfare I just wish he talked about more black resistance in there, like different, you know, um, different instances. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but still, shout out to Tariq Nasheed and shout out to, uh, you know, him making HC5 and actually following through on what he said he's going to do. Because there's a, a lot of folks who be throwing up them GoFundMe and Indiegogos and they don't produce a goddamn thing. You know, they take that money and they run off on the plug twice. Alright, so moving on to the last portion of the show, health over wealth, you know what I say, without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So I just got done talking about HC5 and the sister Shahrazad Ali, and um, if you listen, uh, her speeches are always great. There's only a few of them on YouTube, but if you can find them, listen to them whenever she does a radio interview, it's amazing. Um, I remember she did uh, an interview with... uh, I think the brother that does the Nilly Fuller show and he was talking with her and she was talking about how Tariq was putting out these movies and black folks ain't even digested and made an action plan for what what was said even in the first Hidden Colors because at the end it always has action steps on how to seek justice and freedom, right? Um, So I felt her on that uh, to the utmost degree and then she had, um, what is it, the seven principles of the black woman or something like that and in it she has this great amazing quote right it says your feelings don't change the truth and i just thought that was so fitting in the time that we live in right now you could go on twitter and state a fact you could state that the red bull can with the two bulls on it facing each other's about to clash head on with the yellow dot behind it and the majority of the can is blue and silver and somebody will come in your mentions and tell you you're wrong it's not majority blue and silver the majority of it is gray and navy they will come in your mentions and say that shit or they'll say that it's not two bulls fighting it's actually uh an insignia of two male cows fighting you know they will do some dumb shit like that you could say something like water is wet and somebody will come in water ain't actually wet it's actually the object that's in the water that's wet and yada 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 and you're just like shut the fuck up you know and i feel like a lot of times how we feel you know we try to change the truth of it like black folks don't a lot of black folks who are doing decent you know in the system within the system of racism racism white supremacy you know middle class you know got a little bit of savings and shit like that it ain't no ain't no racism ain't no white supremacy blah 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 you know so that's them just living in denial because they don't want to you know unite with somebody poor to disrupt the system because it's going to fuck up where they are in the prison if uh if racism white supremacy was a thing it'd be a prison and middle class black folks would be in a country club prison like you got some freedoms but you ain't all the way free you ain't going home at the end of the night 
You know what I'm saying? You got to deal with this goddamn thing 24-7. And that's why I chose that quote. You know, your feelings don't change the truth. Um, you know, you may not like it, but the truth is the truth. It's a proven fact. That's what it is. That's all that it is. Okay? So you have to learn how to accept the truth. And then you have to move on with an action plan. That's what it is. You know, if it hurts your feelings, so the fuck what? All right? Your feelings just going to be hurt. But you better do like my mama say. Scratch your ass and get glad. All right? So this has been episode 161 of Do-Rags and Boat Shoes. Sorry for the delay. But like I said, I really wanted to watch this HC5 and uh, just talk about it a little bit. And I didn't want to give away the whole movie. So make sure y'all go pick that up. And uh, as always, you know I love y'all. And I will holler at y'all next week. All right? One.